You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here today for the Locked On Nationals podcast. On today's show, a two-parter uh, with Arm Laden of the Locked On Marlins podcast. We just kind of discuss the state of baseball so far through the season, what we've loved, we have not loved, uh, including Dodgers, Padres, umpiring, uh, and the big stars of the league right now. Fun conversation. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, it's a crossover edition of the Locked On Nationals and Locked On Marlins podcast. I'm Josh Neighbors from Locked On Nationals and from Locked On Prospects and Locked On Marlins. It is our friend and yours, Aram Layton. And Aram, I'm going to apologize to you and the listeners first because uh, for some reason, the work people have decided now was the time they'd like to do the house, uh, to, to do the house, my house, uh, my cul-de-sac right now. They're blowing leaves, they're raking, they're, they're cutting the grass. Very grateful for their work. Just wish they could have, you know, done it maybe 2.30, you know, 4 o'clock, but they're in my yard right now. So if anybody hears that, that's why. Uh, how are you doing? It's good, it's good to see I'm you. It's good. Been, a few, been a few weeks. Yeah, it, it, we've been, uh, we've started the season since then. So it's uh, it's been a little bit of a unique start to the uh, season for the entire NL East. And uh, yeah, I've been there with the noise outside of the house. There's uh, not much you can do about it, but I don't hear anything yet. So Okay, can, good. You know. I can hear them. They're getting closer. They're getting oh, closer. No. See, it's I hear like, it it's like a monster just coming. Yes, exactly. Um, but, uh, season's been good, man. Like, I, I mean, there's been a lot of craziness. The entire NLE sucks, I guess. And um, yeah, we'll see so about that. Kind of cool, I guess. We'll see. We'll see how much they suck. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. So obviously the Marlins, I wouldn't say the Marlins have sucked. Like, no, the Marlins have been pretty, pretty good. Honestly, like, I don't know if people realize how bad it's been for the Marlins health wise. Like last year obviously was the most absurd thing in the world. You have 19 players go down at the same time because of COVID, but like right now is not that far off from that. Like they have a legitimate, like there's a chance for this national series that six regular players will be missing. Um, and, and that's pretty absurd. You count Sixto Sanchez, you count Eliezer Hernandez as those two guys haven't been here the, the whole season yet, but then also you're going to be missing uh, definitely Starling Marte, definitely Brian Anderson, probably, or definitely Jazz Chisholm. And then there's a chance that you're going to be missing Corey Dickerson and Garrett Cooper, which is just absolute. Oh, and Jorge Alfaro. So it is just insane right now. Uh, this team has like no bodies left and, and they're just trying to make it happen. They won. They just took two out of three from the Brewers with nobody. I mean, that's, yeah, it's impressive. Um, they, you know, it's funny. Okay. So I was watching the Brewer team yesterday. So we're going to hit some general stuff. Then we're going to do the specific teams. I wanted to mention this to you though, like, cause the one thing that stuck out to me is I know we're, we're hypersensitive to it. The umpiring this year, like there have been a lot of issues. A yeah. lot, a lot, a lot of issues. Yeah. Um, around the Marlins, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I was watching you. You obviously know what I'm referring to, but it starts earlier in the year, right? When we have the, uh, you know, we obviously have Michael Conforto with the clear lean-in. And the issue, like, the issue is, okay, so uh, you've umpired before, I'm assuming, right? Little League or something. Oh, I've, something done, it. I've done it before. Yeah. yeah never now you're hearing right outside of my house. Um, so 
if you're like down the lines on like that Conforto lean in, right? Like you, you can't always tell. Also behind the plate umpire, you can't always tell. It, with that being the case, they should then let the umpires go and review what just happened. So if they make a mistake, they can correct it. Then you've seen stuff like plays the plate where they've got the ability to review it. And they're just like, yeah, we're not going to change that call. And it's like, what, like, you know, obviously the, uh, was it Alec Bohm who was at the plate, I think against the, was it Braves and then uh, Phillies? I think yeah, there was oh, one on Sunday Night Baseball. Gosh, um, there's been that. There was there was one of the American League game the other day where I believe that happened, same type of deal at the plate. Yesterday, we had in the Marlins game, you know, um, Zach Godley goes and fields the ball and then 10 feet ahead of, I've heard the runner was, tossed it to first and they said he interfered and like he might have been near the line, but. I think like the aglet of his shoelace like hit the foot of Godley and they called uh, interference there. Like, I think they like skimmed each other's feet, but they were, it wasn't even close. I, I didn't get that one at all. And, and yeah. that's another one where it's like, you're just making the call just to make it. And right. it's just not even worth it. Like, well, why even do that? Even if it's like technically by the book, I guess, but like that wasn't even by the book. I didn't even really see contact there. Um, and, and you know, what's frustrating with replay in general um, is I feel like it hasn't achieved what the ultimate goal was, which was just to clean up those more like mm -hmm. bang, bang plays, those controversial calls instead, where I think we've seen the biggest difference is like sliding into a bag and you have to like hug it like a bear or else if you come off for half a second now uh, you're going to be out. And that was something that, you know, you, you almost just look the other way with baseball. Like remember like turning double plays where they still, look, they still do that. Some, they still yeah. look the other way, which they should, you know, which they should, they should, you know, like when you turn a double play and like, if, if, if it's like so obviously the throws ahead there and like, remember they used to not even, they used to like straddle the bag. They used to like not even touch it. Well, that's and what you're I, supposed to do. Cause it's safer, right? Cause if you're yeah. on the bag, your foot is then your, whatever body part is in the path. Right. Yeah. And so that's why if you're standing over the bag, you're there and it's also safer. You know yeah. what I mean? It's and, a bit safer. I get it. Like you, you should touch more. the bag, but like, it was always kind of just like this understood, uh, the neighborhood rule, of, I believe. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. I don't like unwritten rule there, but like, it was the same thing with sliding, right? Like if I slide into a bag and my foot hits the bag way ahead of the tag, then no one's paying attention to like, if my foot slides off it for half a second, if your right. whole body slides past the bag, then yeah, Proud. that's another story. But if my foot pops off of, uh, pops off of the, the bag for half a second, and then I like my hand goes and he's just holding the glove on me the entire time. I, that is where it's like ridiculous to me. I get it, but like, that is not what the object of, replay right. was for and i feel like that's been the biggest change we've seen we've still seen plenty of botch calls it's been good for like bang bang at first but like that's about it and uh you know that's frustrating i think things like hit by pitch should be where it's used the most because mm -hmm. like that's where it's as difficult to judge as possible um but to go back to the conforto thing i think it was kind of a prequel to how lost he is at the plate um that's a guy that really was just trying to find any way to get on base. And now you can see why. Yeah. It's uh, dude. The entire team has been, it's been, uh, it's been a, a struggle for them. Um, I will say, you know, the, the umpiring stuff, like, and, and this, is the thing is umpire replay is supposed to assist them. Like if you want to keep umpires around the argument for replay should be, yeah. So to make sure that we don't miss stuff, we've got replay to assist, right. To, to help raise that percentage. The problem is now replay clearly does not cover what it should cover. Anything involving something at the plate, whether it be a batter, whatever it is, needs to be reviewable, right? Anything's involving like that. That was a scoring play that should be reviewed. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I would even say, you know, in terms of like manage, like in terms of, uh, you know, rules and whatnot. I mean, the Castellanos thing was ridiculous. The two, the two game suspension was just absurd. You know, you're an NBA fan, you're a Heat fan. Uh, I always go back to the LeBron dunk over Jason Terry, right? Where he gets tech. Like your mileage might vary on that, but like he was menacing, right? So what they do? They gave him a tech. Do you get ejected for a tech? No. If you get another one, you do. Like baseball, and I, I think I tweeted this at you at one point. Like baseball needs to find their version of the technical foul. I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. They need to find some way to penalize you, but not eject you. Exactly. Well, also because like when when they warn both sides too before like so one stupid. Side, one other side doesn't do anything, and then you know now you can't pitch inside. Like that. That's just insane. And, and that's where the the one other rule I want to talk about um, before we move on to something else yeah. in regards to replay this was something that I've been thinking about and this might be more widely like talked about and I just haven't heard it. Uh, but I've definitely heard it before. Uh, but like when, when you have the call on the field uh, and especially in a sport like baseball and then the replay has to be clear and concise. How many times have you heard this freaking phrase like in college or with football or with baseball mm-hmm. needs clear video evidence to indisputable vi- video evidence to overturn the call on the field. Right. Like how many times have broadcasters said that? Right. I get that. I get it. But like, also, the call in the field could be totally wrong. And now because you don't have a clear, 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 clear angle to overturn it, you're going to still side with like, maybe you could be like 80, 20, sure that he was safe, but the call in the field was out and you're not 100% sure. And so we're going to go with that 20% certainty, because that's what the call in the field was. Like, I feel like it should just be your best educated guess based on the replay and just go with that. Why does the call in the field that was the hardest call to make, uh, why is that going to take precedent over like your best, best, best guess from seeing the video from 30 different angles in slow motion? Like that should take precedent over the call on the field. Right. I, I, there are actually a couple of calls that remind me of this. So like football related, I would definitely say that, well, this comes down also to, you know, ESPN used to have this deal where their Saturday night game was the only game in college that got the pylon cam. And CBS's games, also the pylon cam. So if somebody drops the ball short of the end zone, there's only like four games every Saturday that can tell you whether or not the ball was dropped, uh, which is weird, right? So if a game's on CBS and a cornerback um, pick sixes one and drops it at the one yard line, and somebody picks it up and goes the other way, you know that game happens at eight o'clock, we can review that and overturn it. If it happens at noon, we can't do that and overturn it, and that's a problem. Is yeah, it shouldn't be dependent on what, like what, what camera angles we have. Uh, Penn State game this year, where the uh, Penn State Iowa, uh, Iowa, Penn State uh, Indiana dive from Michael Penix Jr. at the end of the game might have may or may not have been out of bounds. They couldn't really tell, and they went with the call on the field when it looked like, generally speaking, they probably could have gone with not a touchdown. But there was no, like, it was that eighty twenty. It was that 80 20 yeah, you I talked think we about. We see it in baseball all the time with, with yeah. tags, especially tags. Hard tags are a spec. Your tags, you're dead on with that. Yeah, because it's really hard to see. Like, it's really, really hard, but you can take your best, best guess. And how many times do we see the call stand? So I, I think that's interesting. And what I'm terrified of, honestly, for like all the teams in the NL East, too, especially, it's like it's going to be close. It's going to be a heated division. And if it, it gets is. like disrupted by some BS, like imagine if that Michael Conforto thing happened and it was like Mets Braves down to the wire. And that happened with like three, right. left. you know, like that, that's just ridiculous. And well, it's, it's been two nationally East games. Now I mentioned the one at the plate and Sunday night baseball. And then yeah, that the Conforto one too. I mean, ridiculous too. I'm, yeah. I was shocked. Yeah. And 
so it, it's really, you know, that's where it's, it's, it's kind of puzzling. Um, and, and you just don't want it for the sake of baseball. You do not want to see that happen um, on a big stage. You remember what happened with the Braves that I, that ground rule, the, the infield fly that was like deep into left field yeah, against and, Cardinals, right? Playoff yeah. game. While, yeah, long time yeah, yeah. Like, come on. But yeah, yeah. so that, I mean, there's definitely going to be some improvements that need to be made and we'll see if that happens with the CBA, but I mean, baseball has a lot of things on its laundry list right now that it needs to, uh, to address. Well, luckily for baseball, uh, they have been gotten, they've gotten bailed out, uh, because the Padres and the Dodgers have, um, they've done the sport a service. They've done the sports world a service and we're kind of, I mean, it's been, it's been excellent, but we're in that between phase where between, you know, like this is one of the biggest weekends on the sporting calendar, right? Baseball is going on. NFL draft is happening. Kentucky Derby is happening. Uh, normally this is when the NBA playoffs are happening. This is when the NHL playoffs are happening. It's just normally a big coalescing of the sports calendar, but, but because of the way seasons got backed up, the NBA is not in its playoffs. The NHL is not in its playoffs yet. The draft has not happened yet. So there's kind of this little gap in the sports calendar, right? We're just off the heels of the national championship in basketball. Um, people are just getting, you know, baseball started, but you know, there's baseball starts and there's kind of a little boom, then it get, picks up towards the back end. Uh, this was like just as compelling as you can get. I mean, it looked like the Dodgers were going to go and sweep San Diego in San Diego. And then they're able to grab the final game. And then they go to play four at Dodger Stadium. And it looked like the Padres might be able to grab, you know, they took the first two. And I think they dropped the third one and then looked like they were on the ropes in the last game. And they, I mean, kid down six, they came back and won. And it's crazy. We're talking about, hey, who could beat the Dodgers in a seven-game series? Well, those two teams just played seven times in two weeks. And the Padres won four of them. I'm not saying they can do it. Uh, in a concise seven-game series, and I'm—I even think the Dodgers are like way ahead of the Padres just because it takes time to acclimate and stuff. But it's been so great for the sport. It's been—it's been must-see TV. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. I've been telling you guys about Built Bar for a while. Go check it out today at builtbar.com. They've got 18 awesome flavors, including their six new flavors: caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar chia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Also go along with their 12 original flavors. All of these are covered in chocolate. They are delicious. They are good for you. I encourage you all to go check them out today at BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. You know, I think they can do it, too. I mean, Mm. there's just there's so much there's just so much energy between those two teams and um, the, the desperation that the Padres were, were playing with, I just loved. I mean, how often do you see a team down six, seven runs in the 15th game, 16th game of the season, just going that all out with that much emotion, uh, trying to come back? Like, this, this is a Padres team that has, like, a vengeance for, mm-hmm. you know, they want to take down the Dodgers. And, and I love that. And, and, and I think that's going to be like the big brother, little brother thing that we've, you know, they keep talking about. I like that. It's great for baseball. But I also think that, you know, and people are definitely saying like Padres and Dodgers, that's a big reason why we're seeing the ratings up. And of course it is on the national scale, but we've also seen the ratings up across the board, which I think is really encouraging. Like MLB Network, I forget what the exact number was, but it was like 40 plus games that they've aired uh, overall. The ratings are up across all of them. Uh, MLB TV is seeing big, big jumps in numbers. And, and I think a really big reason for that is the young talent we're seeing across the game. 
it's finally at a point now where baseball is not letting themselves squander uh, the opportunity to market their young talent. And I mean, they could always do a better job, but they're doing a pretty good job now. I mean, we see how Tatis is, is just mm-hmm. so well marketed. I think Juan Soto is not far behind either where right. you know, his quirks at the plate, you know, the little things that he does uh, Juan Soto to me could go down as one of the best hitters of all time. And I don't mm-hmm. even think that's a hot take anymore. So it's like, these guys, you look at Tatis, you look at Vladdy, you look at uh, even Bellinger and, and those guys, Seager's still so young, all these guys under 30 years old. Uh, there's just so many really talented young players, Acuna, that are so exciting. I think baseball's in a really good spot. And I, I, people always seem to say baseball's dying or whatever. And I just don't really see it. I know they yeah. have their issues. They definitely have their issues, as does every single sports league. Um, I mean, look at the NBA ratings through the postseason. Look at what, you know, the NFL, even they, they're doing great, but they hit a little bit of a bump in the road at times when people were getting all up in arms about stupid things. Yes. Um, you know, th- there's, there's always going to be those patches, but like, I think baseball is in a great spot. And the big reason why is, is guys like Juan Soto. Yeah. That's, it's such a great, you know, it's such a great point that, I mean, when the, when the, the Padres made that investment in, you know, in, in the investment in Tatis, that wasn't just about his on his on field play. Like that's about, I mean, they're going to make that back in like Jersey Jersey sales for that guy. Uh, he's just as fun. He's just an effing star to see him. Like you're going yeah. to the park to see him. He's an effing star. Like he's just as big as a star as gets. He knows, and and, and I know I don't have to be this person, but uh, a big part of this is, and you know, it's coming the Marlins because I mean that you know because of that market. Um, for him to be in Southern California and to be a bilingual. Uh, player as well, like he speaks fluent Spanish and English, I believe. Yeah, uh, he speaks really, really. It's, it's, his English is excellent. Yeah, it's, yeah. So you have you have young, young, you know, young kids that only speak English that really look up to him, and then you yeah. have the Latin kids that are also looking up to him, and it's like a really good crossover. He's he's a, he. That's just perfect, and, and that's why I say you know he's going to be the biggest star in baseball. Um, you know, and I love Juan; he's excellent, but it's going to be tough for Juan to supplant that because. Because his English is not quite there. I mean, he could, but his English is not quite there yet. It's getting a lot better, and he's really working hard on it, which is great. But like that he's stuff not matters. Be doing like English body armor commercials. Or yes. Yeah. 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 yeah right. You, you don't see that. But I think yet. he's gonna get there. He's like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 He's, he'll get there. Yeah. But and, like the and, fact that they get a star in Tatis, who's like there already, right? And he's so much fun. And I mean, like he's just, you know, he's just like Trevor Bauer is not well liked, and he's just you know pimping it against Trevor, Trevor Bauer. Like oh, that is him. good. We love that. And, and Soto, Soto, the thing with Soto is like, he, he has his little, like, and I, I feel like the word antics has a negative connotation. I mean it in a positive way. Like he has his yeah. little antics at the plate um, where like, you know, it's, it's kind of his thing. Like I was playing the show the other day and like, even in the show, you take a ball with Soto and he's doing that. The Soto slide. The yes. Yeah. So it's like that, that's cool. Right. And like, that's a big right. part of his brand. Uh, but, but I think he's more of like a, just less words more more just like production Action. yeah and that's great that's like kind of mike troutish and i think soto is kind of in between the two like with that right with that lunge i do want to see soto you know be be himself a bit more though like i i know that there's there's an interesting guy in there uh, not to say that he's not yeah i think as his english improves oh, i think as sure. his english improves people get to know him better for, it's and funny young and like it's scary bro like i, I couldn't yeah. imagine i mean ichiro had an interpreter his entire career Ichiro right. spoke spoke perfectly fine english 
but he right. always said he had this fear of being misinterpreted or saying something in the wrong way. Yeah. Um, and, and so like, imagine that for a 22 year old kid. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's trying he's, though. He actually, he's, he's, he said that he's trying, he tried to do interviews in all English now, which is really good. Um, it's funny. He reminds me of Turner. Turner so. Yeah. Sorry, Trey I was just saying uh, Trey he, Turner should be better marketed. Like this guy. Yeah, no, that's that. They, they, they got to get on that. Like he's, he's, I, I think they're waiting to lock him up before they uh, unleash the full marketing potential. Cause if you do that now, you're going to, um, you're going to drive the price up of said player yeah, before, <laughs> before you, true. before you do it. But what I would say on one more thing I want is um, the idea of like, he reminds me a lot of what Anderson Silva was when the UFC was getting really hot. Anderson did not speak much English, but he was super quirky and was really good. So like those, those things together, but Juan's English is improving. His quirks are hilarious. And I wish people could see it more often. Um, I think, you know, it's just the buck is now with baseball. They got to turn this thing over and, start making some money off these guys uh, because like you think about like and this kind of transition to the national league East now, like this division is just absolutely full of stars. There are stars, just stars in every single, every single team. Like I know jazz is not a star yet, but, but he's, 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 he's going to, be. to that point. Yeah. yeah. Even if he's not performing at like a star level, if he's hitting well, he's so flashy that you right. know, he's going to have that marketability and all these teams do. So, you know, obviously Bryce and JT are in Philadelphia and I mean, like as far as that city, you know, Bryce is kind of the transcendent guy, but Alec Bohm is, I mean, is a big, like they love him there. Yeah. And like, Sixto too. I mean, everybody knows Sixto. Yeah, you know, exactly. I was shocked at how well, like how well known he is. And it's just because of that, like electricity he brings to the mound too. I mean, the fact that the Marlins have two guys like that. Yeah. Marlins, Mets, Phillies. I mean, Braves, I mean, Braves, you know, obviously, you know, Freddie Freeman last night, like even, even marketing standpoint, like Freddie last night striking out against yeah, the it against unreal. the it's, it's good it's it's like good for his brand right people are yeah. like this is great you know th- this is awesome acuna obviously is somebody that is uh going to be uh, you know it already is just a, an absolute freaking superstar all right that will do it for part one of today's show make sure you follow us on twitter at lo underscore nationals you can follow me at josh neighbors underscore until next time my friends please stay safe